When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more like the battles that we never Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing? Jesse, I'm doing great. I'm back home. That's right. After a short visit away, we should have the mic quality sorted out. Yeah, everything's good. The the world keeps moving. You know, 2020 just keeps throwing punches and we keep getting right back up. We have to, man. We have to. And this is still a strange time for the world. Like we talked about on our last episode, The Front, there's so many things going on. We hope you're staying healthy and safe out there. But that aside, MCP still hasn't stopped. And I know that's not news to anyone either, but it's just crazy because we have everything up till Thanos now. So that's pretty insane. That's a lot of hobbying Chris to do. That's a lot of painting. I'm so far behind. It's a lot of reading and writing and researching for us. We've planned so many episodes way, way, way out in the future. So it's a very exciting time for us as content creators. But as you just said, it's also very overwhelming <laughs> as players, yes. overwhelming as players and overwhelming as content creators in a way, because we want to give you guys the best experience we can on the show every time and the best production. And we want to get to give you every single one of these characters in this format we have, because we think it's valid in this game. We think it adds a lot to the game. And we really appreciate those of you that have reached out and said, Oh, I really appreciate you going on the backstory of X character. I didn't know anything about them. And now when I play them in the game, I actually enjoy it more case in point, Chris, uh, Wakanda is a great example of that. Wakanda is all over the game right now. And I feel like other than, what we've seen in the MCU, most people don't know very much about Wakanda. And I feel like that was a very exciting series for us to do because I learned a lot. I also learned a lot researching for that series. It's really cool to be able to put that lore to the characters. It just makes the team seem cooler. You get a little bit more emotionally involved in the game, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It just occupies the imagination a little bit more. Absolutely, Chris. And it makes those tactic cards make more sense. Some of those objectives like the Wakanda herbs and doing the Wakanda forever tactics card, which is arguably the best tactic card in the game. Like all these things, hopefully increase your enjoyment. And that's what we're trying to do with this show. Kind of give you some of our joy for Marvel 
and obviously tabletop gaming. And of course this wonderful miniatures game that there are not slowing down on Chris. And you know, let's also not forget too, in a couple weeks, Gen Con's happening digitally. I don't know if AMG is going to have a live stream yet, but I'm assuming they are. FFG is. So what news are we going to get at Gen Con? Digital Gen Con. You know what we want. You know what we want. I know. We've been calling it for a long time. Get your drink ready. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if this year will be the year. We want the X-Men. We want mutants. All of it. If mutants don't happen, Chris, like, is there something else that comes to your mind that you think they might reveal? Because if anything, we know that they're going to go into more detail on some of those heroes they told us a little while ago that they haven't really shown, like Ghost Rider, Taskmaster, Ant-Man, the Wasp, a lot of the Defenders that are coming out. We know Angela's on the Guardians list, but we haven't seen Angela yet. There's a lot of things that we know. Is there something they're going to drop on us that we don't know that any speculation you have? I'm very excited for Dr. Doom whenever that happens. Oh my goodness. Ultimate encounter makings right there, right? Exactly. Well, and think about maybe you get two different character cards out of that. Maybe you get a Dr. Doom. It's a very high threat character. And then a low threat card that's dialed way back. That's a Doom bot. I think that would be goodness. Really cool. Yeah. I think you nailed it there. That's something obviously they're going to make at some point is Dr. Doom. It's just an issue of when, and that would be worthy of a Gen Con reveal. So, but once again, Chris, there's even heroes within the MCU that they haven't really released yet. Other good news we have right now is that like Miles and Gwen are finally on their way. They got out of production limbo finally. Yeah. And we have seen what the Spider-Man team is. The Spider-Man team is Peter, Miles, Gwen, and Venom. That's the Spider-Man team. Smaller team, and that's perfect. That should be a very mobile, fun team. Yes, with a lot of control, hopefully, with the web slinging and throwing of um, yeah. other characters. And- I'm already worried about playing you <laughs> when you get your hands on them. Well, I'm going to play them. Even if they're not good, I'm sure they will be, because everything in this game has been balanced, and I love it so much. I've never been disappointed by this game's balance. And I can't imagine the spider team being anything different. I am very excited to see what Miles' leadership ability is. I'm also really excited to see, does Gwen have stealth? I bet she will. Or Miles have stealth? Do they can get some cards, more cards where Venom's working with them? I love it. And then, of course, we have the spider foes team, too, which we know is coming, I'm assuming, with Green Goblin's pack, which is going to be hopefully not that long either. We'll see. Finally get that Spider-Man villain team going. That's more my cup of tea. You know, and like you said, Chris, we were talking so long about Sinister Six, how they're going to do all this. I think it's so artful the way they did it. And you mentioned this as well, like just clumping all the Spider-Man bad guys into a team, you know, spider foes. It's perfect. It's fun. It's going to be great. That's going to be my bad guy team too, as you know. I, I cannot wait. But, you know, all that aside, Chris, we haven't even got the Black Order to the table yet. And they're fully out now, except Thanos. And I've got some news for you, man. Like the Black Order, they're high threat. And they're high damage, and they are powerful characters. And I, I'm already confident. I know people have been doing this on TTS some, but people running them without their leader, without Thanos. Kind of just the Maw is the leader, but no leadership ability because they're that good. And I think you're going to be pretty happy to get some game time in with them, Chris. I'm hoping it happens very soon. They're so expensive. It, it's a strange approach to the game. I mean, you can't even run every single one of them with Thanos with a threat level we have yet. That might change with Thanos, right? We might get a new objective that's a lot higher threat. Who knows? You know, even just the Maw's the leader right now, pretty intense. They have some really exceptional tactics cards. So even when you don't have their leadership ability from them as a team, you still have access to all their tactic cards, and that's good. 
So, Chris, we went through all of Wakanda in a series. Then we went through all of the Asgardians in series. And now we're going to do a random expansion that came out between all that. And we're going to do these two characters over the next two episodes, including today. And then we are going to move on to the next series, which, of course, spoiler alert, is the Guardians. And we're very excited about that. Very, very excited about that. It's going to be interesting to learn so much more about my favorite cinematic characters. Same. Learn a lot more about their origins and where they come from and just more about their characters. Absolutely, Chris. And before we get to that, though, we have a strange little uh, break here between Asgard and Guardians. And that is going to be two characters that came together in a box. And the first one today is Vision. And next episode will be Winter Soldier. And these these guys were kind of just plopped in. And from a game standpoint, this makes perfect sense because these guys fill a lot of gaps in the game. From maybe the Marvel cinematic comic standpoint, they just seem like a gap in the release schedule until the giant batch of the Guardians and the Black Order. But I'm so happy these two guys are in the game. And I'm so happy to talk about the Vision today. Always one of the characters I've been more fascinated with. Just his power set is so unique. His story is so unique. You know, his character reminds me a lot of Data from Star Trek. Yes. Next Generation, which was one of my favorite characters as a kid. Vision, you know, forces you to ask the question, what defines humanity? And I've always enjoyed that about him. Well, Chris, before we get into Vision, I think we got some business to attend to. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc., Go to www.discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. A big thank you to Josh H. this week. Very much appreciate your patronage. Thank you, Josh. And we keep saying it every week, Chris, but in the time of COVID-19 and people being laid off of their jobs and all this stuff being very close to us. It means a lot for people to just give us their hard earned money to help us keep the lights on and pay the hosting fees. All the things that we do go right back into the show from Patreon. So everyone that supports Patreon helps the show run. And speaking of that, Chris, we've got a new producer of the podcast, an Avenger named Martin C. So Martin, thank you for your patronage. As you guys know, if you listen to the podcast, the producer is the highest level and you're going to get a shout out every episode. So you'll hear Martin's name a lot. And Martin, we can't thank you enough for your generosity because just right now with everything going on and you know, we've got a lot of future plans for the show and the producer is the best way to help that. So we really appreciate that. And also before we leave the Patreon, Chris, I'm going to mention our new tier. Several of you guys reached out to me about a new tier on the Patreon. So we added a new tier. We added a new tier called the Asgardian tier. It's a new middle tier of the show. So several of you reached out and said you wanted to commit more to the show, but you maybe couldn't go all the way to producer level. So we added a slightly higher tier and it's just a way to support the show. We really appreciate it. And if you get on that tier, you get privileges in the, the discord, help moderate the discord and be even a higher level part of that. And those of you that signed up for that, we appreciate that as well. All right, Chris, I think we've got a lot of lore to get to today. I think it's time to go. Let's do it. So, Chris, who is Vision, or in MCU terms, the Vision? Vision is an android, and he's also a member of the Avengers. He was loosely based 
on a timely comics character of the same name. So that's an interesting fact already. I had no idea. So he kind of took on his own life. I don't know very much about timely comics, but maybe I should change that soon. But that's kind of like we did recently, Chris Loki, right? And we talked about how Loki started in his sort of area of comics, and then they kind of pulled him, mixed with the Loki of lore, and brought him to the Marvel Comics universe that Stan Lee has. So that's pretty interesting. His first appearance in comics of Vision was, was October 1968. He was created by Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, and John Bushima. First appeared in the Avengers number 57. That's a really cool cover if you ever have a chance to look at it. I need to look it up. All right, Chris. So Vision has a pretty rich and deep history. Let's just get into it. Sounds good to me. Ultron is actually the creator of Vision, as we all It's kind of hinted at in the MCU. It's kind of toyed around with. But in the comics, Ultron creates Vision out of a type of android he calls a synthesoid for use against Ultron's own creator, Dr. Hank Pym, who, of course, is Ant-Man, an earlier version of Ant-Man from the Ant-Man we have today. That's right. If you remember our Ultron episode, you go into that whole history of that, Chris, about how Ultron had this crazy, like, complex with his father, who was Hank Pym, and he always hated his father. And it seems like Vision is a creation of that whole storyline as well. It's wheels within wheels within wheels. It's what makes comics interesting. Ultron sends his new servant to lead the Avengers into a trap. Wasp is the first encounter the Synthesoid has. She describes him as a Vision while trying to escape. Adopting the name, Vision is convinced by the Avengers to turn on Ultron. After learning how Ultron created him, using the brain patterns of then-deceased Simon Williams, also known as Wonder Man, Vision becomes a member of the team. The team initially believes the Vision's body was created from that of the original Human Torch android. The Avengers later are told that the Time Lord Immortus used the power of the Forever Crystal to split the original Human Torch into two entities. One body remained the original Torch, while Ultron rebuilt the other as the Vision. So we've already tied to Ant-Man and the Wasp, we've tied to the Fantastic Four, and we've tied to the Avengers, and we've tied to Ultron. So Vision is very woven into the fabric of these universes. He's been here for a long time. He's got a lot of history, as we'll find out. Maybe not always in the forefront, though. Not long after joining the good guys, Vision is temporarily controlled by Ultron and then rebuilds Ultron's body out of adamantium. He then battles the Avengers before regaining control of himself. Shortly after, the Vision first meets Wanda Maximoff, the mutant Scarlet Witch, with whom he later becomes romantically involved. The two eventually marry, and via the Scarlet Witch's hex powers, they have twin boys named Thomas and William. Interesting. When Vision attempts to penetrate an energy field erected by the villainous Annihilus, he shuts down, and even after regaining consciousness weeks later, he remains paralyzed and assumes a holographic form. He eventually regains control of his body and becomes a team leader. Having become unbalanced by these events, he attempts to take control of the world's computers. With the aid of the Avengers, Vision is restored to his normal self and body, but now is closely monitored by a coalition of governments. In the Vision Quest storyline, rogue agents of the United States government, manipulated by the time traveler Immortus, abduct the Vision and dismantle him. The Avengers recover the parts, and Dr. Pym rebuilds Vision, but with a chalk-white complexion. 
However, the revived Simon Williams does not allow his brain patterns to be used again to provide a matrix for Vision's emotions, explaining that the original process, done without his consent, had quote-unquote ripped out his soul. This, along with damage to Vision's synthetic skin when he was dismantled, results in the synthesoid's resurrection as a colorless and emotionless artificial human. The original Human Torch also returns from his own apparent demise, casting doubt on Vision's identity. Vision and the Scarlet Witch's children are then revealed to be fragments of the soul of the demon Mephisto, who had been broken apart by Franklin Richards shortly before the birth of the twins. The twins are absorbed back into Mephisto, which temporarily drives Wanda insane. Although she recovers, Wanda and Vision separate, each operating on a different Avengers team. Vision again gradually regains his emotions by adopting a new brain patterns from a deceased scientist, Alex Lipton, and gains a new body that resembles his original. In addition, Simon Williams' brain patterns gradually re-emerge and meld with Lipton's patterns, restoring Vision's full capacity for emotion. Shortly after the reformation of the Avengers, Vision sustains massive damage in the final battle with the sorceress Morgan Le Fay. Although incapacitated for several weeks, he is eventually rebuilt and then recovers. While recovering, Vision gives up his attempt to reconcile with his wife, although he is revealed to retain a fondness for her culture, such as visiting a restaurant that specifically caters to Wanda's childhood community simply because he enjoys the ambiance. Remaining a member of the Avengers, he briefly becomes romantically involved with teammates Carol Danvers, and Mantis before attempting to then reconcile with the Scarlet Witch. More tie-ins to characters in the game. Absolutely. Grief over the loss of the twins, however, drives Wanda insane again, and she attempts to alter reality to recreate them. This causes a series of catastrophic events that includes Vision crashing an Avengers Quinjet into Avengers Mansion. The Vision advises his teammates that he is no longer in control of his body, and then expels several spears that form into five Ultrons. The Avengers destroy them, and an enraged She-Hulk tears apart the remains of the Vision, having been driven to a breaking point by the rapid slew of attacks against the Avengers. The Avengers later believed that Ultron may have put a command in the Vision that would have been activated by the Avengers' Code White alert during one of the many periods in which Vision was held prisoner by Ultron though it was later revealed that Dr. Doom forced Scarlet Witch to send Vision against her teammates. Vision's operating system and program files are later used in the creation of Iron Lad's armor, which becomes a sentient being all on its own. In the Mighty Avengers, the original Vision and Iron Lad are briefly separated from this being by the power of the Cosmic Cube. During the Chaos War storyline, Vision is also one of the many deceased heroes restored to life after the events of the Death Realms. Vision joins with the other resurrected Avengers in their fight against Grim Reaper and Necra. During the fight, Vision blows himself up while and also battles the Grim Reaper, killing them both. Following the Fear Itself storyline, Tony Stark is able to rebuild Vision, who once again joins the Avengers. After being informed about what happened after his destruction, the Vision sees She-Hulk, telling her he does not blame her for what happened. He then goes to Utopia to confront Magneto, threatening Magneto to tell him where Wanda is. Magneto uses his powers to subdue the Vision, but then spares him, saying he believes Wanda still cares for the Vision and that Magneto does not want to hurt her anymore. Captain America talks to the Vision afterwards, 
telling him that he needs to move forward. During a subsequent confrontation with the returned Wanda at the start of the Avengers vs. X-Men storyline, Vision claims that her use of his body to attack his friends is something he cannot forgive, and while he banishes her from the mansion, he also sheds tears after her departure. During the Marvel Now relaunch, Vision leaves the Avengers in order to find himself following a battle with Centurion. After departing the team, he is shown visiting Billy Kaplan, the teenage reincarnation of one of his sons. Following the Age of Ultron storyline, Vision joined Hank Pym's Avengers AI alongside Monica Chang, Victoria Mancha, and a reprogrammed Doombot. He also upgraded himself and is now actually composed of millions of microbotic automatons, or nanobots. In the miniseries Ultron Forever, Vision and Black Widow of the present are drawn into the future by what appears to be Doctor Doom to join the Avengers from various points in the team's history, including the early Hulk, James Rhodes as Iron Man, Thor when he was afflicted by the curse of Hela, the female Jane Foster Thor of the present, and Daniel Cage from a future where she wields Captain America's shield. Doom claims that he brought this team together to assist him in defeating Ultron's conquest of the world. Although Doom's true plan is revealed at the story's conclusion, just a desire to take Ultron's place. Vision eventually reveals that Doom is actually the Doombot who worked with him in the Avengers AI, convincing the Doombot to abandon his plan by noting that simply by following Doom's example, ignores the more positive aspects of Doom's history as the man who refused to let anyone else dictate his terms. All new, all different Marvel, Vision is a member of the new team of Avengers, although his emotional data has been lost once again after a series of hallucinations forced him to delete the emotional data to restore himself to a functional state, having been overwhelmed with guilt when he was unable to save the sole survivor of a crashed bus. However, after he provides fake evidence to force new heroes Nova and Miss Marvel to leave the team, it is revealed that he is working for Kang the Conqueror as Kang mounts his latest assault on the team, having been contaminated when Kang interfered with his recent reprogramming. However, Vision is released from Kang's control when Iron Man manages to purge his software, allowing him to turn on Kang and help the Avengers defeat him. Although, in the aftermath, he departs to consider how easily he fell under Kang's control. In 2016, Vision was given a solo series. In this series, he lives in Fairfax, Virginia, with a newly created synthesoid family, his wife Virginia, son Vin, and daughter Viv. The Visions. They attempt to live in a normal suburban life, with Vision working as a consultant to the president. But they find socializing with neighbors difficult. The Grim Reaper attacks their house and nearly kills Viv. Virginia claims that the Reaper escaped. Vision eventually finds his remains buried in the backyard. He lies to the police and covers for Virginia when asked about her whereabouts during the murder of one of Viv's classmates, whose father tried to blackmail Virginia for the murder. Instead of confronting her, he creates a synthesoid dog for the family in an attempt to return to normalcy. Unbeknownst to him, Agatha Harkness has a vision of the future and warns the Avengers that Vision and his family will cause a genocide. The Avengers send Victor Mancha, Vision's quote-unquote brother, to secretly investigate the family. When Vin discovers Victor reporting back to the Avengers, the latter attempts to use his electromagnetic powers to contain Vin and prevent him from outing his operations but a miscalculation caused him to damage Vin's nerve system beyond repair. Vision sets out to Arlington Courthouse Jail to exact revenge on Victor. 
Virginia reveals to Viv that she had murdered her classmate. Viv's resulting emotional outburst prompts Virginia to let out her anger on Sparky, killing it. Among the dog's remains, Virginia notices a petal of the Wondergore Everbloom that the dog had consumed, a plant capable of giving a person a vision of the future under certain parameters. With Sparky's death having fulfilled the conditions for the Everbloom to work, Virginia eats the petal. Seeing that Vision would go down a dark path if he killed Victor Mancha, she flies to the jail and murders Victor herself, fearing the fate of Viv if both of her parents were to be prosecuted for their actions. Virginia calls the detective investigating the neighbor's disappearance and claims full responsibility for both her and her husband's crimes, stating she had tampered with Vision's operating system. Virginia proceeds to drink water with corrosive properties from a Zenlavian water vase they have in their home and ask Vision to sit with her until the water kills her. Let's just let that story percolate for a second. That is a lot. And as it happens, I know we kind of just outlined the story, but that is my recommendation for reading for Vision. Okay, which we'll return to momentarily. But man, I was not expecting that, Chris, at all. I've heard of this story series. I had no idea it was like this, that it was the Visions in suburbia with the David Lynch twist. Tom King is an awesome writer. That is absolutely right. During the Secret Empire storyline, Vision appears as a member of Hydra's Avengers. At the time, Hydra took over the United States, and when Captain America believed himself to be a Hydra sleeper agent, Ultron slash Hank Pym reveals during his dinner with members of the underground, Captain America, and Hydra's Avengers that Vision has been affected by an AI virus. While briefing Captain America about the status of Hydra's Avengers, Madam Hydra mentions that the virus was created by Arnim Zola, as well as stating that the Vision is trying to fight its control. During a battle in Washington, D.C., Vision sees his freed daughter, Viv. Seeing her enables him to free himself of the virus, which spreads to the Hydra Dreadnoughts and shuts them all down. And that brings us to modern day. What a ride. What a ride. So, of course, Chris, after we finish Vision's comic book history, that, of course, leads us right to the modern day MCU films. And we got to talk about Vision in the MCU. So his first appearance, like we mentioned up front in the comic section, is his creation as being pulled from Ultron and the Age of Ultron. But, you know, what's interesting, Chris, is they kind of took a interesting twist with this where they kind of made... Some of the cosmic powers mixed with Ultron, mixed with Jarvis of Tony, all together. A really interesting way to take it, they kind of gave Vision's creation more to Tony than to Hank. That makes sense. Which, uh, you know, that's a good move. And he's not purely created from Ultron either, you know? He is... Right. Like, Jarvis is killed by Ultron, and in Jarvis's resurrection through supernatural means, and he's resurrected as this new entity, the Vision. So I really liked that. And once again, we can't escape Age of Ultron. It's such a pivot point in the MCU. There's so many important things that happen. After that, Chris, he is in Captain America Civil War, of course. Of course, in this film, we see the beginnings of him and Wanda's relationship, which is very important moving forward to the MCU. And how excited are you for their TV show? It's the show I'm most excited about, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, and I'll continue to mention, especially after hearing that history, Chris, on the uh, the visions, because, you know, WandaVision is going to be kind of that. I imagine we might see some very similar themes running through. Yeah, so their relationship started in this, and when this movie first came out, people were like, ah, it feels a little bit forced, and, you know, it's, it's pretty cute, too. They're learning to navigate this, and... 
you know, they kind of even have disagreements about pro-registration and anti-registration as well. Of course, after that, he's in Avengers Infinity War, and this is obviously a big film for him too. Him and Scarlet Witch fight Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight because they want the stone out of Vision's head because, of course, Vision came to being from the stone in the MCU. We know what happens at the end of Infinity War. Thanos does get his way, and he does kill Vision, and this is what's crazy is it's actually permanent. Since Vision was tied to the stone and it's removed from him, he can't be snapped back in subsequently the next film, Avengers Endgame, where he's mentioned, of course. So he's one of the people that does not come back at the Endgame battle. He does not come back to wish all of our heroes happiness because he is one of the true casualties of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, just like Black Widow is, Chris, because she dies through similar means over a stone. Permanent. It's kind of a shame, but you just have to trust what they're doing. You know, they haven't done much wrong yet, so let's just see where it goes. And of course, he's not mentioned or seen, but in Spider-Man Far From Home, there's a picture of him hearkening back to these relationships. That brings us to modern day, Chris. WandaVision. He's going to be in WandaVision on Disney+, Plus, which is a show. premise they have is that Wanda has brought Vision back to life in her own mind, and she is living with him in this sort of utopian suburban life. And that's what's really interesting about it, because it's not real, but it is real in Wanda's mind because her psychic powers are so pronounced. I'm really interested to see the route they go with it. Will Vision actually fully come back to life? Because once again, we've mentioned on on the show, there's a lot of gaping holes in the MCU currently that they're going to start filling with other leaders. But it would sure be great to see him on the big screen again. We'll see. We'll just have to watch WandaVision. Yeah, and of course, Paul Bettany plays the Vision in this. And of course, he was Jarvis before this. So indirectly, Chris, when he agreed to the role, however long ago, in the Iron Man franchise, he kind of secured his place in Marvel history in the MCU because... They eventually took the route they took. They merged Jarvis with the stone, with Ultron, created a new character. And he actually got to be the body of the character as well. I'm glad he was down for that ride. Yes. I'm glad he agreed to do all that because he's a fantastic actor. He portrays the character very well on screen. I He just knocked it out of the park. It was so much better than I expected. Yeah. And once again, we, we say that every episode, Chris, but this casting in these films are so good. And, you know, Vision's not an easy one to do. Data is not easy to do in Star Trek. They have to right. cast these people perfectly or they have to fit the otherworldly android aspect, but also be a likable character that we feel emotions for. And they nailed that in the MCU. And I can't wait to see more of the Vision in this particular franchise. So, Chris, to close out our history... We got to talk about the Vision superpowers because it turns out he has a lot of superpowers. I'll try to knock these out fairly quickly here. Vision is described as being every inch a human being except that all of his bodily organs are constructed of synthetic materials. The solar jewel on Vision's forehead absorbs ambient solar energy to provide the power needed for him to function. And it's also capable of discharging this energy as optic beams. With this, he can fire beams of an infrared and microwave radiation. In extreme cases, he can discharge the same power through the solar jewel itself, which amplifies its destructive effects considerably, albeit at the cost of losing most of his resources. By interfacing with an unknown dimension to which he can shunt and from which he can accrue mass, thus becoming either intangible or extraordinarily massive. Vision can change his density, which at its lowest allows flight, and a ghostly phasing intangibility, and at its heaviest, 
a density 10 times greater than that of depleted uranium, which gives him superhuman strength, immovability, and diamond-hard near-invulnerable skin. On one occasion, Vision uses his extreme density to render unconscious the villain Count Nefaria. At other times, he thrusts an intangible hand into them and partially rematerializes it, a process he describes as physical disruption. That's a nice way to call it. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. This effect typically causes great pain <laughs> and results in incapacitation. You don't say. Yeah, incapacitation. Right? So this is just like a Vulcan death grip. It's nothing. Not not a big deal. It's not exploding all their inner organs. Yeah, it's not nearly as big of a deal as it actually should be. Yeah. Being an artificial life form of sorts, Vision has superhuman senses, superhuman stamina, reflexes, speed, agility, strength, even without being at high density, superhuman analytical capabilities, and the ability to process information and make calculations with superhuman speed and accuracy. The Vision was trained in hand-to-hand combat by Captain America, is an expert in the combat use of his superhuman powers, and is a highly skilled tactician and strategist. The Vision is an expert on his own construction and repair. After the Age of Ultron, Vision joins the Avengers AI team where his evolved protocols were activated, and now his body is formed from millions of nanobots. He can now split himself into smaller parts and change shape. That's a lot of power, Chris. That's a lot of power. And we're going to see that on our strategy section today, so we will talk more during that section. So, Chris, as you mentioned briefly earlier... But let's bring it full circle here. Any comic book recommendations for The Vision? Well, it's got to be The Visions by Tom King, because as you all heard, it's absolutely crazy. And I just can't not recommend that. I'm all about it, Chris. All right, Chris, let's get over to strategy. His name is Vision. His alter ego is Victor Shade, which is a name given to him by Natasha. And so interesting, they put that on the card here, Chris, because it was an alias of his. He has six stamina, he moves medium, his height is two, and his threat cost is four. His defenses are as follows, two physical, two energy, and four mystic. But that's not super accurate because there's some other things on his card that change those. But those are the baselines. That's the vision's baseline stats. Anything stand out to you before we get into attacks and superpowers? Well, very obviously... Two physical defense and two energy defense stand out greatly. And I think that there's going to be something for us to talk about that might alter those just a little bit. Absolutely. And of course, his four mystic is nothing to scoff at either. That's a pretty decent number. And let's go ahead and mention while we're here on his injured side, he has the same health, six. So he's 12 health overall, which is average for four threat characters. So. Nothing too crazy there. So I think we just need to get into his attacks and superpowers because this is where he really shines. His first attack is Solar Energy Beam. It is an energy attack. Its range is B4. So it is a beam attack. We love beam attacks around here. We do love beam attacks. And it has a strength of 5, cost of 0. After this attack was resolved... This character gains one power. On wild rolls, you're going to add the condition sap power. Before damage is dealt, the target character loses one power 
for each wild in the attack roll, and this character gains that amount of power. Very exciting, Chris. So a couple things stand out here. Vision doesn't have a strike. This is his strike, but it's not a traditional strike where the damage dealt gains you power. He gets a power when he performs the attack. Now, I'm sometimes say right up front, Chris, which is very exciting about this being a beam attack. So we've mentioned before on the show, a beam attack is any character that is in Vision's width of his range ruler when you put it down. You get to perform this attack individually against them. So once again, this is not one attack against all the characters, and they all make a save. This is one character at a time, and you choose the order. So and sometimes the order really matters, so you really need to choose the order correctly. But what's interesting about that, Chris, I say that because after this attack is resolved, this character gains one power. So each character you attack in that beam is an individual attack. So he can net a power every single one he attacks. That makes sense? So if he has three characters in the beam, he's going to make three attacks. He's going to gain three power. Wilds aside, he's just going to gain three power because he made three attacks. That's pretty good for five strength. That's a lot better than it sounds on the initial read-through. It's pretty good because it does sound kind of scary that he doesn't have a regular strike to gain power, but he can gain power if you're lining up these beams correctly. And then let's talk about sap power. So if you get wilds, not only do you gain more power, so this kind of nets his strike being missing, but you take power from them. So we like that. We like taking power from our opponents because they can't use their superpowers and attacks. Very powerful. So I like this strike a lot. It's probably one of the most fun strikes in the game because it's a zero-cost beam attack. What's not to love? And it's range four, which is pretty great. His next attack is called Synthesoid Avenger. It is a physical attack at range three, seven strength, cost four power. Pretty expensive. The defending character does not add critical results in its defense roll to its total successes and does not add additional dice to their defense roll as a result of critical results. That arm move, Chris, he's, he's sticking it in their stomach and synthesizing. <laughs> I think he might be right. They don't get to roll crits on defense on that because he's he's right there in the stomach. What do you think about this attack, Chris? Seven Man. strength, range three, not bad. I, I don't know. It reminds me, kind of reminds me of a... Uh... Casino, you know, whenever someone's rolling real hot, you, you bring in vision to cool That's them right. off. You ask them to leave nicely. Yeah, this is good, Chris. Uh, <laughs> four power is maybe not concerning, but it is something to be to think about. Four power is a lot, not late game, but it's a lot early game. And, you know, it's a range three melee attack, which is nice because a lot of these type of characters that have a melee attack are always range two, but they don't get to do crits. So we already know the defense dice are slightly worse than the attack dice. That's how the game has been built. It wants you to attack more than defend. So taking away not only one of the results on the defense dice, but a way to add more defense dice, that's pretty good. This is a scary attack. It's very expensive though. It is. Four is a lot. Especially with his little bit less reliable strike. His solar energy beam can pay big dividends. It has a higher ceiling. Than a regular strike. But a very low floor. You got to line up those beams. Yeah. If your opponent's successfully avoiding vision and not giving you the opportunity to create that that power economy, it could be pretty that's tough. That's true, Chris. And so that's it for his attacks. He has one energy, one physical, ranges four and three. So I think we just need to move on to his superpowers because turns out he has a lot of superpowers. His first superpower is Calculated Trajectory. It is an active superpower with a power cost of 2. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character 
both of size 3 or less, and within range 2, and throw it medium. This superpower can only be used once per turn. It's excellent. Not a bad throw. Size 3 is really impressive, because size 2, of course, is most characters in the game. Size 3 is these bigger characters. He can throw an Ultron, Chris. Size 3 Ultron. He can throw a lot of terrain with this. So we've said it time and time again, throws are so good. So many characters in this game don't have throws, so when characters have throws, they kind of have to make the threat cost higher because it's kind of guaranteed damage in a strange way, Chris. Like, if he's throwing a size 3 terrain, so that's four auto hits on someone, and they don't make those four saves, they're taking whatever damage is left. We've talked about how good throws are. It's just great. He's a good character to throw. I love throws. Adding more throws to a team is never a bad thing. No, not at all. His next superpower is is called Synthesis. It is also an active superpower that costs zero power. Action. So you take an action to do this. This character gains two power. All right, Chris, we're seeing some themes again. Once again, he doesn't have a strike. It's turning out if he had a strike, he'd probably have too much power. He can take an action, gain two power. I don't know how much I like this. This isn't something you're going to want to use every turn. True. Yeah, But, know. you know, if you're on two or three power and you really want to guaranteed maybe kill someone with Synthesoid Avenger, you're probably going to do this, you know, and get that four power. You know, Chris, I think this is a power that you might not use a lot in a game, but the times you use it, probably important. Like early game, usually round one, no one's in range of anyone. Vision might just move up, gain two power, pick up an objective with an interact by spending a power. This might be some things to get his economy going, because it seems like after he's got some power built up, as long as he's solar beaming every once in a while, he'll never struggle for power again. So he will struggle for power early game though. So you might have to do this a couple times early game. My biggest thought when it comes to this is running a control team against vision automatically. Oh yeah. If you see vision, just try to constantly apply stuns, anything that forces him to use an action to shake off. It's going to just hamper the character. Stuns and staggers, Chris. Yeah. Staggers to take away the action and stuns to take away more power. You know, him struggling to get power is just going to hurt him a lot because he needs it. He needs it to do these things. Let's move on to his next superpower. Rapid phase. It is a reactive superpower and it costs two. When this character is targeted by an enemy attack, this character may use this superpower. Remove the current phasing type. Then choose a new phasing type. What do you know? <laughs> huh. And that leads us perfectly into the next superpower. That's right. So Vision has an innate ability called phasing. During the power phase, so of every round, Chris, during the power phase, this character chooses a phasing type. He has two to choose from. Enhanced density is the first one. This character rolls three additional dice when defending against physical attacks and cannot be pushed until the start of the next power phase. The second one is called phased. This character rolls three additional dice when defending against energy attacks and does not suffer collision damage until the start of the next power phase. What do you think about these, Chris? This is kind of the lifeblood of the character. Well, this coupled with his economy, I think, makes this a high skill cap. It does. You really have to know what your enemy is capable of doing to you in every activation. You really have to predict how the enemy is going to react towards your phasing. 
to try to get damage on such a uh, lethal character. And here's an interesting thing, Chris, I thought of that is clearly a balancing act of the game and it's thematic. So when Vision has enhanced density, he has five defense and physical, which is incredible, and he can't be pushed. Ironically, a lot of the things that push you in the game are energy attacks, like Iron Man's Repulsor Blast and some of these other things, Shuri's Gauntlets, which are just so annoying, so painful to deal with. (laughs) That's the irony, though, right? Like, you are protected against physical this round, but you're also giving yourself a little bit of insurance for being pushed by, of course, physical attacks that sometimes push. But really, a lot of those those flyers and energy shots that do push you, you're safe against that. So that's a really interesting balancing act. And then conversely, on the opposite side, we have phased, where he has five defense on energy, really hard to hurt with energy attacks. And he does not suffer collision damage. Very interesting, Chris. And this is going to make rapid phase very important. So once again, as we've said on this episode a lot, you need to have power on vision. You always need to have two power on him if you can to rapid phase. Right. Absolutely. What do you know? This makes him a really good contender for the Avengers affiliation, which he is an Avenger, by the way. It's the only affiliation he's in in the game. And that would make rapid phase cost one. Not Not bad. bad. And that also would make uh, calculated trajectory cost one. So he might not be like the best character for Avengers period, but like it kind of guarantees you get rapid phase because of course you get one power every turn, no matter what his last superpower is he has innately flight and he's immune to bleed and poison as you would expect. Very much helps with the status condition. Oh, absolutely. And flight is flight is amazing. Now that everyone has kind of their terrain set up for this game fully and we have buildings and things like that, flight really does matter. If you're on top of a building, people are shooting up to you, you always have cover. If you're shooting down to them, they don't have cover. Unless they are like behind a cover piece or things like that. But if they're out in the open, they don't have cover and you do. Let's also not forget that objectives a lot of the time get put on buildings. So he's a good flyer to go pick someone up off a building, a civilian, et cetera, et cetera. So flyers are huge in the game and I'm happy as a flyer, Chris, because I'd be really upset if terrain was slowing him down because the last thing he needs is to be slowed down because he needs to be doing these beam attacks frequently. Absolutely. Positioning with him is going to be absolutely critical. So Chris, on his back, nothing changes. All the costs are the same down to six stamina on the back on his injured side as well. That's about it. So this character is really interesting. And the first thought I got to bring up, Chris, while we're here is we have now three, four threat flyers that are turrets in the game. And that is the Vision, Captain Marvel, and Ultron. They're all slightly different but they're all very similar. They all have a size three throw. They all have a mix of energy and physical attacks. They all have flight. They all have immunity to bleed and poison. And they all have some interesting defensive abilities. Carol's is going binary and she absorbs energy, right? As power. Ultron's is all would be metal. When he's defending against mystic attacks, he gets extra defense, right? What do you think about now they're being... Three flyers in the game that are all four threat, that are all great damage turret dealers, that have flight, have these immunities. What do you think about that? And just like, where do we go from there? My immediate thought, the way my brain works, is I want to know which is the best. I want to know which one I need to take in my team Mm -hmm. of 10. But this is MCP. There's a lot of variables. Absolutely. And my favorite part about MCP, Chris, is they kind of nailed this game perfectly where it's they're all equal in power. 
they'll have their own little tricks, right? It's just who you like the best, who fits your play style best. And obviously there's ceilings on different ones. Obviously, I think Vision has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. If you're that type of player, you might gravitate towards him. But if you're not, you might want someone who's a little more consistent, maybe like Captain Marvel or Ultron. It just depends. But they're all kind of different flavors of, you know, a similar type food. They are all different. And, you know, let's also not forget to mention that Captain Marvel and Vision are Avengers. Ultron, of course, is Cabal. So that can make your decision really easy if you're leaning a certain way. But still, it's really tough. It's tough to decide because they're all great. They're all really fun. I just really want to figure out which one fits where. I don't know. It's just when you ask me that question, that's just where I They've got balancing acts, Chris. Like Vision struggles in some ways, but his throw costs one less than the other two. You know, there's just little subtleties here and there. And I like it. And I like that they're all for a threat. I like that they're all 12 health. I like that they all fly, have these immunities. They're strong characters thematically in the universe. And I'm really happy that from a gameplay standpoint made this, like, it's really cool that we have these three flyers that are also similar, but all different. And there's probably something we're going to return to on a future episode when we compare like characters that are different, but it's just something to think about when you're making your lists who's for you. And, you know, I love all three of these characters, Chris. Vision's the one I have the least experience with, but I've been playing him a lot lately, working him into lists on my free time. And I can't wait to use him more because he's just very exciting. The ceiling is so high with him. And that's exciting to me. That's like a challenge to figure out, you know. I'll have to do some play tests and I'll get back to you guys on which one, which one I like the most. It's tough, man. I put a lot of hobby work into that Ultron. Yes, you did. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. And Chris, maybe we can figure out a way to stream TTS in our COVID-19 world. I'd really like to do that because a lot of you guys have followed us on the Twitch and really appreciate it. Thank you for doing that. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at Gmail and leave us reviews on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us out a lot. We're getting close to 100 reviews, which is amazing. And help us reach that number. We'll throw a little mini party. That's a very exciting number. And we are, you know, we're on the Apple gaming list, like I talked about last week, Chris. So I'm just still in awe at you listeners that have gone out and given us reviews. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It's so, so reviews and subscribes and listens really do help. So if you can't support the Patreon, if you can just do those things, you help us immensely. Thanks to approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And remember to help spread the word about our show. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken, J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my Star Wars podcast, The Canon Cantina, where we talk about Star Wars every week. You can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T. Thanks for listening. True